Good morning, Oikos. How are y'all today? Are y'all dry? Awesome. Awesome. So it's summer. So we're kicking off a new series today. Uh, so teachers, I'm sure you're pretty excited it's summer. Parents, probably not so much. Kids, I'm sure you're pretty overjoyed. Uh, so we're starting a new uh, series today, and it's called Coffee Cup Kairos. And this is uh, an invitation for us to, uh, to listen to the Lord, words of the Lord and to, to respond uh, to those in our life. And so uh, it's a new series, new season. And so if you haven't joined us um, in our daily readings, it's not too late. It's new, a fresh start. So, uh, so you can join and sign up online for that and join us in, uh, in hearing and responding to what the Lord is, is saying to us. So, um, so today we're going to be in the book of Numbers. Um, I like obscure little passages. So we'll be in the book of Numbers today, and uh, it'll be chapter 21. And, uh, and just a preface of what's going on in this is the Israelites have left um, Egypt, and they are in the desert wandering, and now they are approaching the promised land. So Moses has just heard the words of the Lord saying that he will not be able to enter the promised land because he's disobeyed. Um, so the Israelites are at the border. They can see into the promised land. The Lord has promised them this land, and they can see it. Um, so we're going to jump right in and, uh, and read it. The Canaanite king Arid, who lived in Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching the road through uh, Anthrium. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them prisoner. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Hormad ever since. So um, the Israelites just got attacked, and, and so some of their people, their loved ones, um, got taken away um, as slaves to the Canaanite people. And, uh, and how we see them respond is they don't respond necessarily out of uncertainty and doubt. I mean, I know a slew of emotions would have happened if, if somebody was to break in this door right now and to come take some of you guys exile. I'd be, I don't know, I'd, I'd feel a lot of different things. Um, anger probably being one of them. Fear probably being another. Um, I'd probably be the first one out this back door. Um, doubt, uncertainty, and, and also just hurt, pain um, from being, having some, some of my loved ones, some of my family taken away. Um, but what the Israelites do is, is, first of all, they turn to the Lord. Um, they say, Lord, help us. They turn to the Lord. And, and so they were confident in who they were and who their father was that they were not willing to just run and, and hide, but they were turning to the Lord in their uncertainty and doubt and asking for Him to do something, um, asking for Him to respond and to show Himself. So the first thing I want to talk about today is our feelings do not have to dictate our actions. Um, and to preface that first, uh, feelings are not a bad thing. Feelings are a good thing. Feelings are a wonderful thing. The Lord's created us as emotional beings, so it's good to have emotions. So to preface that, it's okay. So it was okay for the Israelites to be fearful and scared and uncertain and hurt when their 
part of their loved ones got taken away. Um, and it was okay for that to happen. Um, and it was okay for them to feel that way. Um, but they did not just run and hide. They did not just cower away. They turned to the Lord and pressed into that. They didn't let emotions overcome what the Lord was asking them to do. Because if you remember, the Lord had told the Israelites, go into the promised land and live there, because this is what I've done for you. I've taken you out of Egypt, and I've promised you this great land, so don't forget that. Um, So they did not let feelings dictate their actions. So where in your life have you let feelings interrupt what the Lord is telling you? Take a moment to think of that. Where in your life have you let feelings interrupt what the Lord is telling you? I know for me, uh, this happened a couple days ago. Uh, my, one of the biggest pet peeves of my father is he, when he goes to sporting events, he gets so frustrated with parking. And <laughs> I'm sure some of y'all may have, have felt that too. And he was getting aggravated as we were going to an A&M baseball game. And, uh, and so he was just getting aggravated. And I yelled at the top of my lungs at him, just shut up. And, and I acted so angry at him because he was not just enjoying the moment I was spending with him. But I just got so aggravated with him and yelled at the top of my lungs. Because I let emotion take over the time with my father. I let emotion take over, uh, negative emotion especially, take over than just spending time with my dad, or just simply reminding him, hey, dad, no, it's not good to be angry, uh, especially at something so small. Um, It's okay to let some of that control over um, to God, and let's just enjoy some time together. I didn't remind him who he was. I didn't remind myself of who I was. I let the emotion take hold, and I I went with it. And I'm sure this happens with you guys too, uh, especially in your relationships, maybe with uh, your spouse, maybe with a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a son or daughter, where they will say something or do something that just ticks you off to the, to the max um, and just aggravates you so much. And, uh, and you just respond out of emotion. And you, you probably maybe combatively uh, say something or do something to intentionally hurt your girlfriend or boyfriend or, or spouse. If you've done that, raise your hand. If you haven't done that, you're lying. So the Lord is showing us truth about himself on a daily, consistent basis, on a regular, hourly, secondly basis. The Lord is revealing a little portion about himself to us. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard for us to see that and to respond to it. Um, and so um, as it's transitioning, as they are going along... Um, a second story happens. Um, this is right after they just obeyed so diligently with the Lord. They turned to him in their fear and uncertainty and doubt. Um, and now they're going along, and this is what they did. Then the people of Israel sent out from Mount Horeb, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So God sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, 
we have sinned by speaking against the Lord, and we pray, pray that the Lord will take the, away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So they just completely forgot what just happened. They completely forgot uh, what God had just done. And, and so what they were doing is they were questioning the motives of God. When we question the motives of the Lord, we miss what He is really saying to us in that moment. When we question the motive of the Lord, we are not understanding what He's doing now. And so what we're really doing is we're taking on a burden that we can't understand and that we can't deal with. Um, we do not need to know the motives of the Lord. So the Israelites were asking questions, why did you take us out of slavery to put us in the desert? Uh, they've asked that question multiple times throughout Scripture. And they didn't understand why God had brought them out of slavery and put them at the brink of the promised land where they could see everything, they could see into there, they could see the people, they could see the milk, they could see the honey, and they were complaining about the Lord providing for them with manna and quail. Um, so they were missing what the Lord was saying to them right then and right there. Um, they had a difficult, understand, difficult time understanding God because um, they were carrying a burden uh, that they couldn't understand. So in the Garden of Eden, when we declared our independence from God by sinning, by saying we want a different play plan, we want a different route, uh, we want to see what this tree of knowledge and good and evil is about, um, even though the Lord said He didn't want that, we declared, it took a step over and declared our independence. And because we wanted to know what not good and, and evil were like, because we were created perfectly, we, we didn't know what life apart from God was, but we decided to take that route anyways. And so then sin entered into the world, and we were carrying burdens of that sin, consequences of that sin that we were not intended to carry. We were not created to carry. Um, so when we wrong the Lord or we wrong somebody else, we get that guilt, we get that uh, hurt, that, that feeling of not understanding. Um, and sometimes when we sin, it's, it's even deeper than that. Sometimes we will understand things that we were not meant to understand. We are meant to feel hurt that we are not meant to feel. We are meant to feel things that, that God didn't intend and create us to. Um, so looking back at your life, like the Israelites, um, was there a time uh, that you encountered a time where you wanted to follow another God besides the Lord? I know I have. I was like, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. I want to go pick my own, my own thing. I want to declare my independence from you because I want to. Um, I need to. I, uh, I feel like I should. Uh, again, kind of acting out of that emotion. Um, this was really, I'm really good at doing this when, when something bad happens to me. Um, like, Lord, why'd you let this happen? Why'd you do this? It's your fault, right? But when we ask those questions of why, we're trying to understand the motives of God. 
instead of sitting in that, that, that time and looking for him right then and right there, to look around and see what he's doing instead of asking him why, ask him, where are you working in my life now? Show me yourself right here, right now, because I need to see you. So what I want you all to do, um, this may work, I'm going to give it a try, but uh, I know it was helpful exercise for me, but I want you all to close your eyes and go ahead and, and think, don't fall asleep, go ahead and think back to a time um, in your life, maybe it was this week, uh, maybe it was uh, way long ago, but I want you all to close your eyes with me and think back to a time or an event, or something you did, or something you said that just created a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of doubt. I want you to go back to that place. And if you're feeling emotion, I want you to invite the Lord into that emotion. And I want you to, to think upon what is making you feel that or think that. Maybe it's a feeling of guilt. Maybe it's a feeling of, of sorrow. Um, and I, I'm asking you to open that up and to asking you to let the Lord sink deep into that. And probably most of that is coming from a lie about God, a lie about that situation, because He cares deeply for you. He, you are his son, you are his daughter, you are his precious creation. And he doesn't want you to forget who he is because you are nothing apart from God. And he knows that. He does not want to leave you in a place of pain. He wants you to see where he is working on a daily basis in your life. He's speaking to you, and He's speaking truth into that situation, that His love covers all. All right, you can open up your eyes again. Hopefully, that was, that was helpful. But you no longer have to live under the fear of the law, but live in freedom with the Lord. And so the Israelites, they, they declared their independence. They wanted to do something else besides what the Lord promised them in this promised land. And then a bunch of snakes uh, came and bit them all. And what is beautiful about this passage is this actually a foreshadowing of what the Lord does when Jesus comes. Um, so what they, they did is they had no way to, for healing. I mean, if you're in the middle of the desert, the medicine wasn't good at that time. So a poisonous snake bites you, that's kind of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, you're done. And so there's no way out, uh, except maybe running, but then, I mean, anyways. So, so what the Lord does is they cried upon him. They called upon his name, um, and, and he sends uh, a bronze snake. They create a bronze snake, and they lift it up on a tree, lift it up on a stick. Um, and, and what they did is they just saw it. If they just looked at it, that was enough for them to be healed. Um, and of course, the same thing happens with Jesus on the cross. We lifted him up on a tree, 
And if we just glance at him, and we just have a little ounce of belief that his death and his resurrection was enough, that we will be healed, that we will be saved also. And that this time of wandering in your life, this time of maybe insecurity and doubt, is only temporary. That the promise of the resurrection will come again. And that the Lord is constantly reviving you, constantly redeeming you, constantly showing himself how much he loves you because of of the cross. There's nothing good in you apart from Jesus, and he knows that. So he died for you and rose, rose again. All right, moving along in the story, now the, the Israelites are um, kind of in the same spot. They just got a lot of, the, a lot of them died from, from the snakes, and so they are they're journeying along, and they encounter another group of people. Um, so the people of Israel occupy the territory of the Amorites. Oops, sorry. The Israelites sent ambassador, uh, ambassadors to the king Shion, the Amorites, with this message. Let us travel through your land. We will be careful not to go through your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink of your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. But King Shion refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked the Israelites in the wilderness, engaging them at the Battle of Jahaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their lands from the Arman River to the Jabbok River. They went only as far uh, as the Amorite border because the boundary of the Amorites was fortified. So Israel captured the town of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon has been the capital of King Shion of the Amorites. So the king of the Amorites was putting up resistance against the Lord. <coughs> the Israelites promised, Moses promised, that if we use your resources, we will replenish them. We will redeem them. We will um, not just take, but we will, we will give back what, what anything we take. Just help us get through to where the Lord's promising us to. So for you, what areas of your life are you putting up resistance against the Lord? Where in your life have you pushed back against the Lord? I know for me, one of the biggest areas that I've pushed back is just... Um, I've been really, really, really lazy lately, like really lazy, um, to the point where I've kind of been sitting and not really moving, not really moving forward uh, in my search for a job. Uh, so I've I just been lazy. I've been entitled. I have fought the promise that, that what the Lord is asking me to do by working is good. Um, I've pushed back against that. And I don't know if they're... Um, is anybody out there that feels entitled like that? But, but that's just an example for me of where I'm not letting the Lord just break me down. I'm fighting as if I like have a fighting chance against the Lord or something, as if I can actually do something against the Lord. Um, 
And this is what the, the king of the Amorites was doing too. Um, he, all he had to do was let the Israelites pass through. All he had to do was nothing, literally nothing. And everything would have been fine. But instead, he put up a wall, put up a resistance against the Lord, and he crushed him. He crushed him. Um, and not only did that, not only did he do that, but like completely annihilated them out. And so our lives will look different when we completely and utterly are concerned with the will of the Father. So God's going to do things in your life whether you see him or not. There's going to be times in your life where, where um, you're going to put up these resistances. You're going to put up a fight against God and wrestle with him, and that's a good thing. But if you think you're going to win, you're, you're wrong. You're flat wrong. Uh, it's going to be a longer fight and a longer battle, and you're going to lose a lot more, I think, if you continue to, to wrestle and fight and put up these walls against the Lord. And so when you're completely and utterly concerned with the will of the Father, things start becoming less important to you and more important to the Father. Our agenda, sorts, our agenda starts to change when we're concerned about the will of the Father. And we see this example with Jesus when he is um, on the like, Garden of Gethsemane approaching the cross, and he says, Lord, deliver me from this horrible death. Deliver me from this burden that I have to carry. Deliver me from what's about to happen. And then he says the great line of, not my will, but your will. And so we see in the story of Jesus, all throughout his life, he is deeply concerned about the will of the Father. So that's why he even came here in the first place. That he wasn't here to, to be famous. He wasn't here to, to build an elaborate earthly kingdom. He wasn't here to prove how worthy he was or prove how great he was. He wasn't here to do any of that stuff. But he's here because he was deeply concerned about the will of the Father and deeply concerned about the will of the Father and the lives of his children. And the example of Christ is perfect in like how we just see how he lives his life. That even death on the cross where he had the entire weight, entire burden of sin of all of us on there, he still did it anyways. Because his emotion probably was like, I can't, you know, probably I can't do this. Like, there's no way. But he was pushed through anyways because he was deeply concerned about God and what he was doing. And look at those gifts that we get from that too. That we get everlasting life because Jesus died for us. Pretty awesome. That we get a relationship with God because Jesus died for us. That we are a child of God, that God looks upon us and sees us as his children because of the death of, of Jesus and resurrection. So I think it's easy for us to get stuck in these, these walls that we, that we like to put up. And it's easy for us to get stuck um, and not know how to tear them down sometimes. Um, so, so for me, I had a major Kairos moment on Tuesday of this week uh, at staff. Aaron and Jason uh, lovingly rebuked me a couple times and lovingly uh, challenged me and lovingly just spoke the words of the Lord to me. And one of the biggest things 
was, for whatever reason, I have been believing a lie that my previous life before I moved to Oikos was somehow easier than my life is now. That where I came from in Georgia was better than where I'm at now. And so that was exactly what the Israelites did, as they were thinking, oh, the slavery in Egypt's better than being, you know, where God's promised me to be. And I liked that. I liked the idea of feeling sorry for myself, and I liked the idea of ha- believing that lie, because that's what, I, that's what I knew. And so there's lies in our lives that are keeping us from, from seeing the truth of the Lord and from seeing what the reality of our situation is. And the reality of the situation is God is speaking to you on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. And so I think a, a great response to when we hear the Lord, so for me, hearing the words that my life in Georgia was not as good or easy as it is here, sparked a lot of thinking and a lot of observation in my life. And I'm very, very good at thinking and observing but I'm not very good at acting all the time. Um, I can observe and pretty much think and see the crap out of things. I love doing that. But when it comes to actually responding to what the Lord is doing in my life, that's the difficult part. How many of y'all struggle with responding to what the Lord's asking them to do or telling them? So the Lord is showing us a way. He's showing us the truth about himself. He's showing us a way into the promised land. If you're not there yet, that maybe he's broken into your life and shown a part of his truth about him, and you don't know how to respond. So I think asking him, where, Lord, do I need to take a step out to get rid of this resistance that I'm putting up? And maybe you observed that already and you're not acting upon it. Or maybe you haven't observed that yet. So I'm going to pray for you guys that, that you can observe that. But we, whatever it is, I just encourage you to take a step and move. Because if you take a step out there and take a risk in the kingdom, we know that the Lord will either bless that or show us a different way. So either way, it's a step forward. Because there's no failure in the kingdom. We can't fail. Jesus doesn't let us do that. We have a God that doesn't fail. We have a God that's never failed. And so for this week, um, I want you all to, uh, to remember, your feelings don't have to dictate how you act. So when the Lord um, is speaking to you or when something happens in your life, you don't have to be reactionary to it. You can sit there and think and dwell and, and understand what the Lord is saying to you or what he's doing. And just remember who you are as a child of God and respond from that part, not respond from emotion. And if there's things going on in your life um, that you don't understand or you're asking the Lord of why, just remember that he's speaking to you right here, right now. And so he's saying and doing something in your life. And if you're deeply concerned about the will of the Father, your life will look different because the motives 
of, uh, of why you do things will, will start to shift, and the burden will be put on the Lord more and more. And so let me, let me pray for you guys this week, and, uh, and just remember that God cares for you very deeply. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your children and your people. Thank you so much for all of the blessings that you've given us, all the, the things that you've shown us about yourself, and help us to respond to those things. Help us to internalize those and to believe in you more. Um, as you're transforming us into your likeness, God, um, let us just understand who you are more. As we follow you this week, um, reveal where you want us to go, reveal your will um, in front of us, whoever we need to talk to, whoever we need to speak to, whatever we need to believe. Uh, let us see that and respond and not just listen, but to respond, Lord. And forgive us of all our sins and all the things, and, and we repent of the times that we think slavery is better than freedom. And the times that we think carrying burdens is better than freedom. And we understand, God, that you are a loving and beautiful God. And you're simply inviting us to experience you more. And God, all this we ask in your name. Amen.